Mormonism 101, a book by Mormonism Research Ministries, Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson, has helped many who want to understand what separates Mormonism from the Christian faith. Mormonism 101 is available at your favorite Christian bookstore or online at mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Hoping you're having a very pleasant Friday. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we've been looking at an article that is found in the October 2022 edition of the Leahona magazine. It begins on page 4, and it's quite a lengthy article. It goes to page 11, and The reason it's so lengthy is because it's really a transcript from a talk that was given by Russell M. Nelson, the 17th president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It was a message that was delivered at a general conference leadership meeting on March 31st, 2022. Bill, let me just say there's a lot of information we presented this week, but we're only touching on a few of the aspects of this eight-page article. We do have a fuller look at the article on our website, mrm.org slash everlasting hyphen covenant. Everlasting hyphen covenant. I think that might be interesting for those of you who have enjoyed the series. I think it would be very helpful, too, to see all the details that you have included that we obviously have not been able to include in this weekly segment. But there's one thing that I wanted to bring out before we end our discussion on this. It was Robert J. Matthews, a BYU professor, who had an article titled, Thou Shalt Not Bear False Witness. It was in the October 1994 edition of the Ensign magazine. And on page 54, Matthews writes this. He says, Even sharing the truth can have the effect of lying when we tell only half-truths that do not give the full picture. We can also be guilty of bearing false witness and lying if we say nothing, particularly if we allow another to reach a wrong conclusion while we hold back information that would have led to a more accurate perception. In this case, it is though an actual lie were uttered. I ended yesterday's show by saying I feel that Russell M. Nelson is being a bit deceptive when he tries to give the implication that somehow the Mormon understanding of salvation can be tied to the Hebrew word hesed. And now we've talked about hesed, and I want to again give you a very brief definition of what that means, and I'm getting this from gotquestions.org, where it says, Hesed surpasses ordinary kindness and friendship. It is the inclination of the heart to show amazing grace to one who is loved. Hesed runs deeper than social expectations, responsibilities, fluctuating emotions, or what is deserved or earned by the recipient. Hesed finds its home in committed familial love, and it comes to life in action. The reason why I think Russell Nelson is being deceptive when he's trying to apply this word to his understanding of what God expects of his people 
in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is because Hesed, though it's supposed to go beyond what is deserved or earned by the recipient, in Mormonism, it's all about what you deserve or earn. You have to keep covenants. And, and Nelson is making this very clear in this article. Now, in yesterday's show, I read you a pull quote that said, those who make sacred covenants and keep them are promised eternal life and exaltation. Well, that quote is a part of Nelson's talk, and you can find it on page 10 of this article. What does it say there in that paragraph, Eric? Those who make sacred covenants and keep them are promised eternal life and exaltation quote-unquote, the greatest of all the gifts of God, and that comes from Doctrine and Covenants, section 14, verse 7. Jesus Christ is the guarantor of those covenants, and he says, see Hebrews chapter 7, verses 22 and 8, 6. Covenant keepers who love God and allow him to prevail over all other things in their lives make him the most powerful influence in their lives. So it's covenant keepers who claim to love God and allow him to prevail over all other things in their lives. Now, notice it's not covenant makers. It's covenant keepers. All Latter-day Saints have made covenants at one time or another while being members of the LDS Church. They make these covenants when they are baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they make covenants when they go through the temple endowment ceremony. So they're very familiar with making covenants. They also make a covenant when they partake of the sacrament every week. But it's not just covenant making that is important to the Latter-day Saint. It's covenant keeping. And it's so important that Spencer W. Kimball, in his book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, made it very clear that a wicked person is a member who breaks his covenant. He makes a covenant, but then he breaks the covenant. Eric, wouldn't you agree, though, based on at least all the Latter-day Saints that we have talked to personally, and the fact that every Latter-day Saint has to go back to their church every week and reconfirm that they're going to keep these covenants, that probably all of them during the course of the week have broken their covenants. They're all covenant breakers, every single one of them. Now, hear me out, though, folks. I'm not trying to point to myself and say that I am better than them in that area. I have my shortcomings as well. But I don't go to church every week and tell God that I'm going to keep all his commandments when I know full well I'm not going to keep all his commandments. There's the difference. Because Latter-day Saints are really compelled to make these kind of covenants, wouldn't you say, Eric, that they kind of put every single one of their members in jeopardy because they're setting them up to fail? I guess that's what I'm trying to get across. Every Latter-day Saint is set up to fail when they are compelled to make these covenants over and over and over again. And they do it even in their churches, which you would think to a Latter-day Saint would be a type of sacred ground. This is where they're making those covenants. I think maybe that's why a lot of Latter-day Saints don't like the book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, because the things that he says gets into their backyard for the ideas that uh, Spencer Kimball says, because he says, even if you go to the temple, even if you do all that you're supposed to do, but you don't keep all the commandments, doesn't matter. He says, you're not going to go to the celestial kingdom. But Bill, I want to point out 
Doctrine and Covenants, section 14, verse 7. He gives the verse here, but what does he quote from it? The greatest of all the gifts of God. But listen to what it says in Doctrine and Covenants, so 14, 7, the entire verse. And if you keep my commandments and endure to the end, you shall have eternal life, which in Mormonism is the same as exaltation or celestial glory, which gift is the greatest of all the gifts of God. If you have to earn it, Bill, my question is, how can this be the greatest of all the gifts of God? I think they can say that because they look at this gift as being offered free. The gift is offered freely, but the gift itself is not free. Now, that confuses us as New Testament Christians because we look at the gift as not only being offered free, but the gift itself is free. There's nothing that we have to do or work for in order to get the gift that's being offered. And I know that it has to be very confusing when we talk to our LDS counterparts because they will talk about salvation as being a free gift. But even Russell M. Nelson made it very clear that this gift is only received by the individual when they've kept all the commandments. He's not denying that. This is why I think it's a bit deceptive when he tries to use this Hebrew word hesed and implying that somehow that belongs within the context of Mormonism. I would strongly disagree with that because their God does seem to lose patience with his people if they're not keeping that standard. Why do you think they keep emphasizing stay on the covenant path, stay on the covenant path, stay on the covenant path? Why? Because a lot of Latter-day Saints are getting off that covenant path. In other words, they're not doing everything that they promised they would do, which seems to make the point I was making earlier that Spencer Kimball was talking about covenant breakers. These people are wicked, he says. That's the term he uses to describe covenant breakers. I think Russell M. Nelson throws it in an Easter egg, they're called, in the computer world. Let me read this, and you react to it, Bill. He writes on page 10, Every man and woman who participates in priesthood ordinances and who makes and keeps covenants with God has direct access to the power of God. We take the Lord's name upon ourselves as individuals. We also take his name upon us as a people. Being passionate about using the correct name of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints is a vital way that we as a people take his name upon us. Truly, every benevolent act of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints and its members is an expression of God's hesed. And so your question to me is having to do with the name of the church? Did you see the Easter egg yeah, it threw in there? it seems like Nelson, this, this is a real pet peeve of his. He really has a problem with people not referring to his church by its proper name. And we do know that the proper name is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. As I've said many times, I understand if a Latter-day Saint wants us to address his church by the proper name. Now, Gordon B. Hinckley didn't really have a big problem with that. He, he understood that the name of the church was way too long and way too cumbersome, and calling it the Mormon church certainly is a lot easier to say. The problem I have with Nelson, when he says that you've got to call it by the proper name, or Jesus is offended, or Satan gets a victory. That's crossing the line. If that's really true, then 
Mr. Nelson needs to explain to us all the various times that leaders in the past used the phrase Mormon Church, knowing full well that the proper name of the church was the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If Latter-day Saints calling themselves Mormons before Nelson came into power in 2018 were really offending Jesus and really giving Satan a victory, wouldn't that also apply to leaders who did the same thing? Of course it would, but yet we don't seem to see any of these leaders being convicted by that, at least not being convicted to the same extent as Russell M. Nelson. Bill, would you agree with me that there really isn't a whole lot new in this uh, article that he's put together, and yet such importance has been placed on it by having an introduction to it, having eight pages dedicated to what's called the Everlasting Covenant, but it seems like it's the same information we've had before. He just tried to include some Christian ideas, such as God's love and His mercy, as being a part of what salvation is all about. I would tend to agree with you, but I would say this. If there are any Latter-day Saints who really want to experience that hesed that God exhibits towards his people, they need to leave the LDS Church and come to faith in the Jesus of the New Testament. Only then could they really experience that hesed that Nelson was trying to explain in this talk. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.